1: Welcome in the latest episode of five on the floor on the five reason sports network also on the nothing but net channel that is on dash radio and so you can hear us on there every day from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern that's Monday through Friday or 7 to 8 a.m. Pacific that's one of the reasons our episodes have been going a little bit longer of late so I hope you're enjoying the extra content. I'm not sure my voice is. Anyway, check out 5ReasonsSports.com. That's fivereasonsports.com for all of our latest content, including grades from Martin Beter of the latest Inter-Miami loss. They've now lost their, their first four matches. He graded every player from 1 to 10. Some of those grades are not so great on there. Also, all the other podcasts in our network, 3 Yards Per Carry, 5 Rings Canes, Balls Cast, Light Skin Opinions, Shula Ball podcast. And more. Also, our merchandise—we've got a sale on there for the entire rest of the month. It's for, the code is July Heat. July Heat, and you get ten percent off all the merch on the site. The good thing is, Printful, which is our distributor, they're moving a little faster these days than they have been uh, typically during COVID. So, you, if you want those shirts before the heat season starts, I would recommend you order them in the next couple of days. So, use the code July Heat and you'll get 10% off whether you order one shirt, two shirts, three shirts, or thankfully for us, 20 shirts. Also, check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, including one of our new sponsors. It's maybe you know our favorite sponsor because their beer, Biscayne Bay Brewing, the official craft beer of Inter-Miami and the Miami Marlins, which is South Florida's. Actual independent brewery Biscayne Bay is owned by local guys who employ people in this community our South Florida community to make their beer right here in South Florida. These guys are committed to our community and support five reason sports so we can keep bringing you all of this local sports content probably more than you can handle right now more than I can handle if you care about supporting local businesses and drinking amazing beer. Grab their stuff, Marlin's Lager, Miami Pale Ale, Tropical Bay IPA. Again, that's Marlin's Lager, Miami Pale Ale, and Tropical Bay IPA at all major retailers throughout South Florida. We've got people scrambling to the stores. It's not just toilet paper. You need beer. It is the beer that we're going to be drinking at Five Reasons Sports, and whenever we can do it again, we will be doing watch parties with Biscayne Bay Brewing. So check them out. The Twitter handle is at Biscayne Bay Brew. and now today's episode
0: welcome to five on the floor a miami heat and nba podcast i'm ethan skolnick with alphonse sydney aka alphonse Nine Five Four. brought to you by the five reasons sports network all
1: right Ethan skolnick back on five on the floor today's floor plan no alphonse sydney i believe he's moving i think he's staying in south florida Uh, alpha 954 remaining closer to you right i think he's going closer to me well i mean closer to where well he was closer to where i used to live i'm not really sure where he's going now um i feel like he moves every couple of weeks uh, whenever the internet gets bad but Alf will be joining us at some point. I think he's going to, maybe not in this episode, but he's going to be on Floors Yours, uh, which will be on our YouTube channel on Thursday night. I didn't mention the YouTube channel. Got a bunch of new clips that have gone up there um, from Eric Spolcher, Tyler Hero. We're going to get into some of those. Um, I do have Alex Toledo. You've already heard his voice at Tropical Blanket. I've got Greg Sylvander at Greg Sylvander. Um, we made that easy. Um, and also... Uh, We want to thank Manny Chang for producing uh, last night's episode, and you can uh, catch some of his work on the Five on the Floor Twitter account. All right, guys, um, the floor plan tonight. We're going to start in section one with a Miami Heat expectations topic. Uh, In section two, we're going to get into some of the topics of the day, uh, which were Eric Spolcher speaking, Tyler Hero speaking, a little look back at something related to Shaq, and then also um, the Dwayne Wade controversy, which... Probably is not going to be over with, even though I think he'd like it to be um, by the time that you hear this episode. So let's start here. Um, Heat fans don't like ESPN, right? Is that fair to say, typically? Mm -hmm.
2: Yes. I mean, there's no heat index anymore, so we definitely don't like ESPN now.
1: Well, I don't think people I don't think Heat fans liked ESPN during the Heat index, which maybe wasn't totally fair to the four guys involved because all were highly competent in their own
3: ways. And one but it them, wasn't really at, at, at them, though, right? It was mostly no. the people who were antagonizing the Heat and calling the big three soft and all those, you know, supercharged comments.
1: Yeah, I think I mean, you know, again, one of the four guys, Mike Wallace, I mean, was covering the Heat for a few years down here you know, before he was tabbed to continue covering him during the big three. They sent Windhorse down here. Heat fans I mean I'm friends with Brian. Um oh yeah, yeah. But, windhorse but, definitely but he, had
3: some flack here.
1: Yeah, Heat fans didn't love Brian. Um you know Arnovits I don't think they had an issue with and, and Haberstro they certainly didn't have an issue with. I think I think most Heat fans like Tom.
3: And now those but, are like some of the best in the in the business. All all yeah. of those guys.
1: Well, what they did, which was interesting, I, I've always talked about, I think ESPN did it by accident, but if you look at those four guys, when I started to cover the um, the Heat again in 2010, when I went back to the Palm Beach Post to cover them as a columnist, uh, when the Big Three arrived, I, I sort of realized what ESPN was doing, and it made me realize how I had to cover the beat, because if you look at those four guys, they kind of encapsulated the four things you need to do on an NBA beat now. Which is they had the personnel guy, which was Winhorst. People looked at him as the LeBron guy. That really wasn't true. He was really more of the personnel guy, the guy who's, you know, was talking to the agents and all that sort of stuff. Then they had the personality guy who was Wallace, who was kind of personalizing the players. Then they had Haberstrow, who was kind of the new addition in terms of being the stat guy, there hadn't been a lot of those covering NBA teams for local papers anyway. And then Arnovitz was the strategy guy. So they had the personnel, the personality, the strategy, and the stats covered with those four. And that made me realize I had to do all that by myself uh, with the Palm Beach Post. Uh, so, So that wasn't, it wasn't i wouldn't say fun it was it was kind of i've always looked at it as kind of my real master's project um because because of the way you had to cover it but anyway enough about me and enough about that uh let's get to espn and why heat fans didn't like them it was more so because of the others right because at the time everybody who was on fox now or was on espn right so you had bayless coward um you know, the the parade of parade of idiots. Right. Okay. The parade of idiots. um, What do they call the parade of gas bags? That's what uh, what Dan Mm -hmm. called.
2: And it's such a perfect name for them.
1: Yeah. And, and Dan is a gas bag in his own way, but he's like our lovable gas bag. And so, you know, he was kind of fighting all of them. And then of course, Simmons, right. Who at the time was also ESPN. I think he, he probably, he left for the ringer when probably in the middle, right. Of the big three or something along those lines, he was still with ESPN, I think. Uh, during he the Heat Celtics series,
3: yeah, he was. I think he left ESPN pretty late during the, the Big Three run. I mean, I know him he and Dwayne were Grannon. covering
2: the finals, the Warriors finals, Warriors Cavs. I remember Dwayne was in right. Golden State, um, and Bill Simmons was sitting in on that, so he was still there at that time. So I think it's not so so far
1: removed. Right. So, OK, so basically nobody in, in Miami liked ESPN at all. And so whenever something comes from ESPN that doesn't give the Heat proper credit, Heat fans get immediately antagonized by it. Um, so this thing came out today. I believe it was today. Uh, yep. But it's it's not it's not really opinion. It's really statistical. So so could one of you please explain what this is? I will do my best here. So um, ESPN has champion
2: projections via RPM. Uh, I am not going to articulate what RPM is. I can either leave that to Alex or we'll get an assist from the Chias or something like that. But uh, so it's based on RPM. Um, Milwaukee leads with a 42% chance to win the championship followed by the Lakers at 18%, Toronto at 12%, the Clippers at 10%. I will not go down the entire laundry list, but unfortunately, at the very bottom, OKC, Dallas, and New Orleans all have a 1% chance of winning. And Miami was not listed at all. So they're with the likes of Portland, Washington, Sacramento, Philadelphia, and Utah. Um, so that, that definitely... I think Denver
3: does, was in there, too. In that same correct. Category. You're right. Denver
2: and Indiana. You're right. You're right.
3: That's pretty um, so, telling, but... I have the explanation here uh, just from Google real plus minus is the player's average impact in terms of net point differential per 100 defensive and offensive possessions. So basically it's one of those kind of catch all stats. And just like with any other stat like this, I think the point is to kind of use them in the right context and putting them next to other stats and judging players and teams off of multiple different things. Right. But I think that's just kind of something that they're doing to to get some conversation going. It's just you know part of the the machine. But I think it's, it is interesting as a as a list, just because it kind of tells you the teams that during the regular season were the most efficient on on both ends of the floor. So I think there's something to it, but it's definitely not you know like end all be all.
1: It sounds like a stat Alf would make fun of if he was on this episode
2: right yes. now. No
3: doubt, no yes. doubt, 100. <laughs> percent. Yes, no, he yeah,
1: he he would call it all kinds of different names. Um. I guess what's surprising, well, obviously New Orleans getting, you know, any mention here at all is surprising. Um, And so again, Heat fans, you know, there's a, there's a feeling here that, you know, the ESPN wants Zion to, to, you know, proceed, but again, this is statistical. So this is supposed to be unbiased. It doesn't have to do with, with anybody, uh, anybody's opinion necessarily. ESPN changed the stats. (laughs) Right. Well, that's what they'll say. That's what they'll say. But I think it is a launch point for us tonight because, I think what we can look at is in the context of, I, I think all of us feel good about the heat's chances, not to win a championship, but they're just chances of success. And and I'm not going to go through the laundry list of reasons. Again, we've done this on pretty much every episode for the past month. And I think that a lot of this stuff has played out. And I think Eric Spolster has given voice to a lot of what we've talked about here uh, on five on the floor. Um, and so again, am not going to do it, but it comes down to leadership, their mix of talent, um, you know, being hungry, the quote-unquote, I'll do it, culture, uh, spolstra, there's a whole bunch of reasons why we feel they're, they're well-positioned. Uh, again, one spam and none are back in the fold. But I, I do want to put this in the overall context of the Heat's history. And if you look back to the start of the season and what the expectations were, and now you look at where this thing could go after everything that's happened, if the Heat made a run, I'm not even saying to the finals. I'm not saying winning a championship. I'm saying that this heat season ends in the Eastern Conference Finals. Leif, where does that fit in heat history in terms of surprises? What what other seasons would, would align with it? Um, okay, so the low-hanging fruit is
2: 3 04. I think we can all just isolate that one as probably the most surprising season that we've ever had. Um, And then it gets dicey because there's elements of the 06 title that that were super surprising that I don't think anybody could have necessarily predicted when you saw how that team looked. But if we're talking about the expectations prior to the season beginning, that was a championship team in that regard. Um, Then you think also about the 30 and 11 run, like that was probably one of the most improbable um, surprising, you know, moments in heat history, but it didn't end in a playoff berth. So then it's hard for me to know if, if that can even really be a relevant, you know, part of this conversation. So I would say O three O four, and, and another team that I think, uh, the more that I've thought about this is the, the, the team that took Toronto to game seven with justice Winslow at center. I think that that, that was a surprising run, uh, you know, considering the way Dwayne played against Charlotte and, uh, and some of those playing without so, Bosch. Correct. Without Bosch and, and and without Whiteside, by the end of it, you know, to to end up making that run to Game Seven, um, th- those were probably first round be was the gritty.
3: Leaders. That first round was gritty with Charlotte too. Yeah, I think you got a point there.
1: Yeah, it, no, it was. Um, if you look back at that Charlotte team, it's. Kind of remarkable that they were pushed as much as they were because that that team was trash. Uh, with the exception of Kemba. I mean, the right, point
3: of attack defense. Man, has been a problem. I, 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 since I then. understand. I it, love. He, I love Goron, but
1: <laughs> no, but but he only shot thirty eight percent in that series. I believe. I mean, I'm talking about Kemba. Yeah. So and, and it required. You know, it's it's one of my favorite uh, columns that I got to write because it not uh, people forget it wasn't just Dwayne and purple shirt guy, but it was also. Haslam with Dwayne at the end of that game, which was a lot of fun um, considering again, kind of where UD where UD's stock was at that stage as a player. Um, all right, so let's go through some of these. Uh, I'm, I'm with you on 0304 because I think what people forget about that team was there were not only do they start 0 and 7 and by the way, oh, we're having Stan Van Gundy on five on the floor next week, by the way, um, and I, if Alf actually makes that one, there's not going to be any basketball talks. So we're gonna. Ha- I'm gonna have to figure that out because what a great so, but, episode! I can't. Don't wait. worry.
3: What do you think my questions are going to be about?
1: Well, I know it's and I know everybody, you know, I know there's political alignment here. Um, and I get it, but well, it, I,
3: was, I wasn't really going to do that part, you know. I just wanted to stick to the basketball part, but well, you you will get it's more
1: basketball than him. He's not talking any <laughs> basketball,
3: he, he, he's literally
1: going to talk about AOC with her with, with Stan. I mean, that's that's where this is headed. Um, I mean, there's no question, but but getting back to it, I mean, I think uh, with Stan, if if you look at that season, not only you know, did they start 0-7? There were columns written the first couple weeks of the 0304 3 4 season that this could be one of the worst teams in NBA history. I'm oh not my locally. Gosh.
2: Yes. No, I remember it. They started 0-7, I think, if I, if I mm-hmm. remember correctly. I remember that team came and played a preseason game on, in Estero, Florida, and it was hilarious to see um, them kind of be able to just walk around. No one knew who any of the players were on the team. It was a, That season had no expectations
1: none at all. Um, And and I think even with Dwayne there, you know, you had, uh, you know, you looked at, okay, so you had Dwayne and you had Eddie, uh, but you know, you didn't know what you're really getting with Lamar completely. Remember Lamar was not their first choice. Elton brand was, even though it was a little bit of a rope, a dope that Pat pulled on Donald Sterling. And, and, and then you had Quran coming off a good rookie season, but that, that team the previous year was awful. So there really were no expectations and they were thin. Um, And so, you know, and I remember being in Philadelphia for the opener with Iverson against Dwayne, and Stan looked completely overmatched. He just looked—he, I mean, he was fried like before the game started, and more fried after it ended. I think O three O four is is a good one. I mean, to finish forty two and forty, take that Indiana team to six games in the second round after a compelling first round series is one of them. I, I don't know if I'm going to give you guys fifteen sixteen. I, I covered that one home and road two. I understand with Bosch getting sick, but before that year started,
3: a lot of expectations, right? There You're
1: were right. expectations for See, that. See, I'm moving the goalposts a lot. I realize that. <laughs> well, but that team was only, I believe, four games over 500 at the All-Star break when Chris got, you know, was diagnosed again, mm-hmm. um, and I, that was underachieving for that team. I mean that that team took off. Their offense Chris was, out. was ugly. It was bad. Or it, it could the, get ugly. The Bosch Whiteside thing Alex did not fit um at all, and then and they did not play there. well together. It, it was only when deng cle- when Bosch cleared out Deng went to the four, that that team took, took off, off. they yeah. took off so I, I I don't know if I'm going to give you that one I think um I, you know it's really I difficult didn't
3: think that without Bosch team was a surprise in itself, but yeah, I think overall you're probably right
1: I think if you okay so let's look at the zo Timmy teams Greg, and then we'll we'll get into some more of the more modern teams um. I don't really feel like any of them, at least regular surprises. season-wise, were a surprise, right? Because they I mean, spent all that money with Zoe. Even though right. we're not getting Juwan, it was there was an expectation that team was going to be pretty good. That
2: what about when they year. won
3: 61?
1: No, that's the season
2: we're talking about, 96-97. Um, yeah. You know, they, no, I I think Ethan's right. The, there was still an expectation that that team was going to take a leap. We didn't know how big of a leap and I didn't know it was 61 wins and road warriors and all that. But you know, another season that kind of creeps up is when Zoe got sick and that team 2000, kind of 2001. A, correct. And they, I think yeah. they won 50 games, 50 and 32 like that. That was a year that I don't think people expected them to still be. a, a vi- No, they like did that. not. That was a year I was screaming, Riley can coach anyone to 50 wins. And then I was um, the next season completely proven wrong of that. So (laughs) so that was another
1: surprising year. He he couldn't coach Travis Best and Cedric Sabalos to 50 wins. But but that team, um, it did go through a pretty big transformation in the sense that the expectations were enormous after the trades were made. And that lineup that you were supposed to have with Zoe and Brian Grant at the four... And you had you had Bowen and you had uh, Mace and Timmy, and Eddie like that. You, that core six um, looked like it could match up with anybody in the entire league. But then when Zoe went out, and you look at what they had to do, Brian Grant un- undersized at the five, uh, Mace, you know, basically, you know, playing secondary ball handler and behaving for most of that year uh, until the very end. I mean, they really they exceeded expectations expectations because timmy was not really healthy and they still uh you know were successful i think that one you can kind of talk about but that's the only one i think from those zoe years Oh four oh five, Shaq came you can't count it Oh five oh six, you knew what was coming the oh eight oh nine oh nine ten 10 teams Oh eight oh nine was a bit of a surprise, I think, because you're coming off 15 wins. I I mean, does that one count? I mean, they they did they did get to the playoffs. I know they lost. Wait, they they they, got like plus 30
3: that year in wins. Wait wait a minute. This is the
2: this is the obvious leader in the clubhouse. It's the 15 win team. That's the
1: biggest surprise. Well, we're not going that direction. We're not going that direction. (laughs) Sorry, I had to do it. No, but Greg, that that was a surprise to them. I mean, they they did not go into that year with a plan of the tank, they thought that team maybe had like a few last breaths in it. And then, you know, it started to crater quickly and then, okay, about halfway through the season, folded up. Well, Ricky Davis. Yeah. There's actually a story on our site from Martin about, uh, about Ricky Davis and and what happened to Ricky Davis. And, uh, you know, Ricky Davis was in the big three. We actually did a, a, an interview with him for, for the podcast. Um, yeah, I mean that was. I mean, obviously, like Kaseeb Powell and Blake Ahern and everybody else. I mean, you can't even. I, I wonder if UD can even remember most of those guys. I mean, UD's played with like almost 200 players on the Heat, but I, I, I wonder. You know, is there a longstanding relationship with Kaseeb Powell? I'm not sure. Um, they played; those guys played hard, but yeah, that was that was obviously the negative. But I think 0809 was yeah was a surprise. Um, I don't think it was a surprise that Dwayne could be great. But there were some questions about how he's going to come back from the injury, what was really going on with him. And, you know, there were the commercials about him and, and everything else. And, you know, obviously the Redeem team, you, you saw what, what could happen with him. But if you look at that roster, you had two rookies playing heavy minutes, not just playing heavy minutes, but a second-round pick in Mario Chalmers, who started all 82. Um, so I think 0809 qualifies. Yeah. It gets in the Uh, conversation, but not, not, not above
2: this Eastern. If this team goes to the Eastern conference finals, I think that we've definitely um, just by breaking this down, created a pecking order where it's pretty clear that this would be um, a pretty big surprise because going in expectations were what nationally uh, maybe like a six seed is, do you think that that would maybe be the consensus somewhere around there locally, maybe four seed? There was a lot of, uh, I had them at
3: three. There was a lot of not, not, there was some buzz about them as a three seed, like Zach Lowe, and there was a few others, some people liked them, but there was a lot of buzz about the Heat being in the same, you know, kind of situation as the Magic or the Pistons, and I took offense to that, I'm never going to forget that, because I thought that was flagrant and just completely offensive. Look, as somebody who's completely not biased,
1: by the way, do I not exist? Like I, 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 I had the three seed thing before. That yeah, global? you were out front on that. No, that's I right. meant from the national.
3: Oh, from the Nash. That's right. I'm not national anymore. I forgot.
1: <laughs> uh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> i not shot.
3: I, no, I, I, I mean by Miami <laughs> for Miami. No, that's I mean. right. Yeah.
1: I don't think you're right. Exactly. I don't, I don't know if I count anymore. Uh, but yeah, I had them as a three and, and I, I thought they'd be good because what I kept saying was if you gave Spolster an uncluttered roster, then I thought they were real things. And I, and I kept being told even just, and people inside the organization were very, very bullish on bam, obviously, but I kept being told just addition by subtraction, Whiteside out of the room is worth five to seven wins. That's what I, that's what I was told pretty much across the board. It was almost like a talking point. And, uh, and that proved true. In fact, probably was, (coughs) excuse me, probably worth more than that. Um, The one other season though, Alex, I will throw at you is 16, 17, they didn't make the playoffs, oh, yeah. um, but they did go 30-11. and 11.
3: <laughs> But you see, that's another season where, just like other Heat seasons, they, they're just better in the second half. And just like we were talking about with, uh, what was it, 15-16, they were better in the second half. But this one was just even more, obviously, a more extreme example of that because they were obviously 11-30 and 30 in the first half of the season. And then in the second half, they, they, were, they had one of the best like, point differential in the league. Obviously, we, you know, they went 30 and 11. Dion was the absolute, and so was James Johnson. Both of them were the absolute best version of themselves. And I think seeing those versions is why some of us were just kind of hesitant on calling those deals questionable at the, fa- at the time. Because we saw what they could be when they were healthy and focused. Yeah, And I just think the whole thing was really surprising and kind of magical. <laughs>
2: JJ had so much culture during that run, but you know, like yeah. something about that season that sticks to me in terms of expectations is we went into that season with, um, basically everybody on one year deals. Um, and we, so we didn't really have any expectations. It was kind of like you thought it, w- it could be bleak and then it got off to a really bad start and those expectations became confirmation. And then it completely flipped on its ear and went in a whole different direction. So, in terms of like the highs and lows, if you're talking about a roller coaster kind of season, that has to be on the list, even though it's not a playoff team. Yeah. Playoff team, you know what I mean? So, um, that that has to be it.
1: So, let's look at this nationally. Then, if we're to say that getting to the Eastern Conference Finals locally, that we might look at it as Heat observers as one of the top three, maybe even the top uh, surprise in Heat history. How shocked? will your talking heads in Bristol or more of them are in Los Angeles these days be if the heat makes a run to the Eastern conference finals, particularly if that run goes through Milwaukee, because I mean, again, I mean, this is why I say this is not an ESPN production, this particular prediction, because they would have the Lakers first. Um, uh, but you know, this is this this is more about the, the raw numbers, say Milwaukee has not just been the best team in the league this year and last year, but like historically, uh I a five
3: point differential of all time. Right. Oh my gosh. Number
2: five. If Bam right. can lock him up, lock Giannis up, and the Bucks get stifled, O'Reilly's going to oh be picking his chops, God. folks. Yeah.
3: How about that? We haven't even discussed that. In a crazy scenario, or maybe not so crazy, where the Heat upset the Bucks in a series, they beat them four out of seven times. And. That happens. Does that make Giannis more or less likely to want to come? We, we don't. Do we know that about him? I I, I
1: need to do fifty four minutes on that one. We're not going to get into that one on this. <laughs>
3: so right. Save that for another time. We'll, I am we'll
1: available that. for that conversation. We'll, we'll okay. save that for another time because there's there's a little bit of a KD element to that. But I I think I don't think anybody nationally. And there are some people. Stephen A. has said it. There there are a couple. Um, who've come in? I, there was someone else. Um, was it ESPN or another platform? A national person who said, "Don't sleep on the Heat." Um, I, I think there is some respect for what Miami's. Some respect for yeah. what Miami's doing. Um, but but I I do think that they would be they would be pretty stunned. I, I still feel like there's a pretty big segment of the you know some sort of non NBA educated national sports media that still doesn't know what the hell Bam Adebayo does for the Heat. Like still, still don't. Like this guy
3: is basically clean Capella. Like oh, there we go. You you told you you told them yourself
2: right well you know you know what'll happen is a lot of national guys will just act like that's what they've been saying all season and they'll they'll just start saying the the buzzwords with Jimmy Butler and culture and Pat Riley (laughs) and Eric Spolstra and I mean I know that I love to talk about all that stuff but I'm consistent man I do that all the time these guys will act like that that's what they've been saying the entire time Um, so so inevitably that's what we would see from some people but the, the, the other part of it, and what adds credence to the Heat, is that a lot of smart people have been saying that the Heat are doing a lot of good things. Um, so, so that, obviously, people will piggyback off that as well.
1: Yeah, I think that there is you know regard for the Heat organization as a whole, but I, I do think that the national media perception of the Heat is A, that Eric Spolster won championships because of LeBron, uh, B, that Pat Riley's best days were in LA. Um, and then all he's really done since is throw some rings on the table in 2010.
3: Other well, percep- I don't think that's, that part is unfair. They were pretty exceptional.
1: I'm, well, getting, upset. We're pretty- I'm
2: getting upset at <laughs> Ethan, just saying
1: these things no, out no, loud. No, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm saying, to you, this, this is part of, and I think there's also perception that Jimmy's, Jimmy's not a number one guy um, and, and can't lead your organization. Also fair. Uh, right, and I think there's also a perception that Bam is, like you said, is Clint Capella. Uh, Tyler Hero is uh, is what he's uh, Nick Nick Stauskas uh, with with a different haircut. No,
3: they think uh, he's he's JJ Redick. JJ Reddick. and now that we have role. bigger JJ Reddick and Duncan Robinson.
1: Oh, and Duncan Robinson is is uh, the combination of two Spurs names. I mean, I, I don't really think that the. I don't really think that the national media. I, I don't. You know, I, a lot of my national media, um, and again, my former national media peers, uh, that I still communicate with a lot, they they tend to ask me a lot of questions about the Heat, uh, which mm-hmm. I appreciate because they're actually educated basketball writers and they're trying to learn more, and mm-hmm. so they do ask me a lot of questions. They're kind of like. So Harrow has more than a jumper. Right. Or, you know, it's like, so Jimmy's been like unselfish, right. Bam runs offense. You know, like that, like I get those kind of questions, I got those kind of questions all year uh, until, and, and one of my, you know, I'm I'm pretty good friends with Tim Bontemps and, you know, Tim was one of those, we had him on five on the floor.
3: He's been on some of the calls too.
1: Yeah. Well, remember he was very, um, in favor of, uh, of the Sixers. He thought the Sixers matchup was a horrible matchup for the Heat. I think his opinions flipped. I think a lot of the the national media, you mentioned Zach Lowe, but others uh, who cover them. And and I think what's kind of crazy is for all the bleep that Windhorse takes. Oh, he's been on their
3: side for years now.
1: Oh, yeah. He has more respect for the Heat front office than pretty much any of those other national guys. You're right.
3: can I say something about that? Because it's funny that you say that. Because I always think the same thing. I, every time I listen to like a windhorse thing, when, whenever trade deadline season comes around, I'm 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 back in on windhorse. I'm listening to him all the time because he he always has good information from different sources, and he is constantly bringing up the heat as like a trade destination for you know different varying names that come up all the time, and I think. Like it's because he has the ultimate respect for those guys and i think it just <laughs> that decision in 2010 just surprised him so much that he's just like it. i'm never going to doubt these guys
2: you hit the nail on the head he yeah. there there were moments where he said um you know it's it's the 40 million dollars and pat riley can come in with his suits and and da 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 da, da and, and you know he, lebron's not going to leave that money on the table and he was so strident about it and then it went in the other direction well he didn't want to move
1: then. he 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 but that's part of uh, some of this was personal because i mean Look, Brian got in some trouble with LeBron's people and it never really repaired, to be honest. Um, no, at the time, to- at the time, because when LeBron left, Brian was hard on them. Okay. Hard on all of them, hard on LeBron, hard on Maverick, hard on the whole group. Um, when And then he left ESPN base. He tagged him to go to Miami for heat index. So he left three weeks later and that whole group was like, well, what the F like, you were just killing us, and now you're moving to Miami. And he didn't, you know, he lived at the Epic Hotel when he was down here. He didn't like it. He's not a Miami guy. Um, he just he didn't like being here. What,
3: what didn't he like about Miami? Do you know that? Actually, never mind. That's I don't know if you want to do that. <laughs>
1: no, no I, no, I don't. I'm just saying he, he didn't. He didn't really like the city, but he. But I will say this: he greatly, greatly, greatly respected the organization. That, mm-hmm. that those were two different things. He has enormous respect for Ellisburg for. For riley for what riley's accomplished, for he sculpture. constantly brings up
3: Ellisburg, too, like by name, yeah no, he, he thinks and Andy's Andy.
1: the best of the business, he thinks that he he thinks Eric is a top three coach i mean i had I, I, you know I, I spent a lot of time with with Brian and among others on the road. He has very high regard for them, and that comes across his issue with the heat and why he trashed them the past couple of years was the same reason I did, which was he kept hearing from agents around the league. My guy wants to play in Miami. They spent their effing money on James Johnson, Dion waiters, Tyler Johnson and Hassan Whiteside. And my guy can't get in the door there now. Like that was his issue was the same as mine. It was like, why would you ever take this destination, this organization off the table for elite players and the Heat obviously have learned their lesson off that, you know, off those two summers. Um, but that's where he was. So, all right, so let's circle back on all this. Um, I, I think if they make the Eastern Conference Finals, I, I think it would rank first in Heat history in terms of surprises. Do, do you disagree? I'm going It. I'm going to, I think 0304
2: has to be the number one, just because they pushed Indiana, Dwayne Wade, you know, came on the scene as a rookie. There's all of those things. And because they started out 0-7 and, and it looked
1: really. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game. I've got a better idea. to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot slash Miami Heat.
0: Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with
1: Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts.
2: That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Ugly. Um. even though that team was only 42 and 40... Uh, I would say that that's probably the most surprising, but but still top two. So I'm giving you that, Alex. Uh,
3: honestly, I would say the same. is probably going to be up there in a the top five. I know you guys can obviously and have spoken more to the, you know, the historical context there. But for sure, it would be crazy surprising. I wasn't actually. It's good that you say that. I was going to ask you guys, where would you if you had to put a percentage, and you had. To, I know that there's all types of situations and there's all type of factors that we have that we really can't really measure at this point because it's just an unprecedented situation but if you guys had to put a percentage on maybe they on them getting to the conference finals or them winning a championship or both of those where would you put it how much would you differ from that
1: what do you think i'll let you start me no i was gonna let greg start oh, okay i wasn't sure if you were talking to, to <laughs> oh, me there.
2: i mean you know where i'm going with this i'd say probably 28 percent chance that the heat can uh win the championship oh okay And, um, let's go, uh, 21% chance they get to the conference finals. And I'm just throwing these numbers at the wall and seeing what
1: sticks. I, the championship thing is, I mean, to get all the way there, you know, with a team that I don't think is complete yet, um, is asking, it's just asking too much over, over two months. I mean, I think, like I said, with all the things that work in their favor, you know, ultimately, you know, the team, the teams that have the best players, Uh, they can sustain it, they can overcome issues because somebody is just so great that they'll overcome all these circumstances. You know, I still lean to the LeBrons and the Kawhis of the world in that.
3: Uh, What about the conference uh, conference finals? But but
1: I do think, and and I'm going to contradict myself a little bit, I do think, though, it's going to be easier to catch one of these teams earlier. Mm. And that's why I think... There's more of a chance of the Heat pulling a major upset in the East where maybe they happen to get their bodies back in condition faster than another team. Another team that has a lot of old players on it, okay. You know, uh, Al Horford. No, nah, I'm not talking about Al Horford. I'm talking about, <laughs> I'm ta- I'm talking about Kyle Korver. I'm talking about George Hill. I'm talking about the Lopez's. I, I think that the Heat's best chance for a major upset is Milwaukee. And it's not just matchups, but it's also oh, when they're going to catch them. Ethan,
3: I think you got to. I think you got to set your flag right here, right now. I'm I'm putting a little bit of pressure on you. <laughs> well, no, I, so I'm, I'm trying. You you're you're cutting me off. I'm
1: trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to pin my freaking flag. <laughs> I'm hyping
3: you up. I'm hyping you up. Go ahead.
1: I, I I think that uh, I I think it absolutely. Let's just put it this way. I think it absolutely could happen. I think there's a confluence of of factors. Um, that go into this. I know the strides that Middleton has made this year, but I, and I know Milwaukee was mauling teams, but I also know that teams are not going to come back the same momentum is going to be lost. It's a whole new thing. And I I also feel this way. Eric Spolscher is a better coach than Mike Budenholzer, in my opinion. I I do think, and this was an interesting debate, which we can have another time. Somebody put this on Twitter, the top four coaches and the coaches of the top four teams of the East. How would you rank them? and i found it interesting cuz it wasn't a bunch of heat fans ranking it was people you know fans from around the country and most had nick nurse or spo first uh, and then stevens and bunnholzer and, and those you guys thought, are all
3: considered elite too
1: all four are elite there's no question but i think spo's better than, than than mike is um, that's that's my that's opinion fair. and and i think he's proven that in 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 the you
3: know mike I think we say that spo is more open to making adjustments Yes, yeah. Booneholzer does
1: not adjust as well. No, I, absolutely. Well, right, and I know he. some Heat fans who are not Spoh fans would argue that, but I, I agree with that. <laughs> I, I, I agree with that. I think he makes better adjustments than Booneholzer makes. I, I, I think that if you look at those Atlanta teams, maybe he maxed them out in the regular season, but uh, I, I, was, I was there for all four games of, you know, in Cleveland and Atlanta for that four-game sweep. Uh, Sorry to hear that. Was out without Kyrie, and they just there were no adjustments made whatsoever at all during that series so anyway all right we're gonna get to some more stuff here on the second half of the episode before we do that I'm gonna tell you about one of our new sponsors safecubbies.com Want to introduce you to another of the great new sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and it is a sponsor that would be important in any time if you want to have a beautiful workspace. But it's especially important now when you need a safe one as well. And that's SafeCubbies.com, which offers modular office solutions designed to elevate your open office into a modern and safe environment at any budget. You can personalize your workspace with options like whiteboards, magnetic panels, acrylic sheets, and graphic branding. Most most of the surfaces are non-porous for easy cleaning and can be removed or replaced within minutes. Now, this is for workplaces. They've got a bunch of different options on their professional series, but also they've got private room solutions, dividers and sneeze guards, and they have a classroom series as well. So if you're involved with the school, this is definitely something your school should check out, of course, if we have school in the fall. And that's the point here. We were entering a new normal period with COVID-19, safecubbies.com, which is locally owned is the place that you want to go the phone number is 754-216-1071 again that's 754-216-1071 or safecubbies.com all right back on five on the floor you know the heat have been hosting these daily zoom calls with the media today's we're with not only eric spolster who's on every day but also with chris silva and with tyler hero who has come back in really good shape. He talked about some of that today, but he also talked about how he's going to get back in a shooter's rhythm during these sort of strange circumstances.
3: Um, I think for shooters, um, once we, you know, the first day of shooting on a, uh, in a ballroom or a practice gym like we're in now, it's, it's different for the first day, but, you know, as shooters, we get used to it and adapt pretty quick. Uh, so I don't think it should be much of a problem for me or any of the other shooters on our team. Uh, we're real locked in, getting a lot of shots up, and we're catching our rhythm again.
1: All right, that's Tyler Hero. He also talked about how he's at about 5% body fat right now, 5.5% um, body fat. He looks uh, leaner to me. Um, it looks like he, he took, you know, again, he seemed to enjoy himself during quarantine. Uh, he also got involved uh, politically during quarantine, but it also does look like he paid attention to basketball or at least his his weight training. During quarantine, I wasn't particularly concerned about this because he does seem like a basketball junkie, yep. um, but, but we have joked about him sort of being East Coast Kuzma a little bit, and so I think it's good to see him with a serious tone uh, about what he's doing here, but I wanted to get into one topic related to Tyler, but it also applies to Duncan Robinson, and it's something that Eric was asked about a couple of days ago which is a, he's got a lot of young, young players. Um, and he said, you know, and, and who have been counted on in pressure situations, Tyler, before he got hurt, played more minutes in the fourth quarter than any other player on the team. Best uh, best Dunk, right. Duncan Robin, right. And Duncan Robinson was on the floor during a lot of uh, those situations also, though defensively at times, and you know, he was taken advantage of by some teams like Boston, et cetera. Um, but he said, Eric said, one of the good things about these guys is they don't know what they don't know, that they just got, they have no fear. The other thing that Eric was asked about was, you know, the home road issue during the playoffs. And typically, role players, shooters as well, tend to play better at home. There is no home. So, how, Alex, do you think that th- these, those sort of factors being mitigated now, right? Like no home court, um, you know, and also you know, the whole rookie wall thing's kind of out the window. And I consider Duncan Robinson a rookie, too. The rookie wall thing's kind of out the window because everybody just had three months off. Does this help these guys not not have to deal with those two factors anymore?
0: Yeah,
3: I mean, it's like, like we talked about before. They basically got a whole offseason of time off. So them saying things like, you know, they kind of matured a little bit on the game doesn't surprise me. I think they're already excited to come back. They obviously never been in a playoff situation before, but nobody's ever been in this type of playoff situation before either. So I wonder if all of this kind of balances out. I am still a little bit confused about whether or not the home and away thing helps them or not, just because how much better they were at home. Also, like we talked about a million times, but really, I'm excited to see how it pans out. I think I kind of am with you that all this does favor the Heat because they seem so excited and, you know, morale seems high. They all seem excited and motivated to play uh and there really is reason for hope just because of you know we haven't really seen the team healthy uh with all the options with you know hero and leonard coming back and iguodala and and uh jay crowder ever since that trade was made we haven't seen the team really fully healthy so i think there is a lot of reason for optimism
2: you know a couple episodes back and maybe even further back than that we're doing the we're doing so many of these i shouldn't say a couple it was a couple weeks ago we talked about who are we most excited to see uh as the season resumed and we went around the room and and i said bam out of bio at that time and the more that i actually think about that tyler hero is kind of approaching the same level for me um, for a couple reasons one when you hear he's in great shape i mean part of the reason the heat Kind of bought into Tyler Hero and and thought that that was a, a guy that they wanted to really um to target in the draft was that he was a gym rat and that was like a huge part of this is that he just loved to play basketball so um
3: People who are addicted to the game
2: yeah exactly he's Jimmy, he's, one of, Bam. he's one of those guys for sure so um and and the the element of that there's going to be no crowd i i think like the one thing for young players it's that intangible thing that nobody can really um you can't measure it like what it does to you to get rattled in a playoff game when there's a crowd there and people are going crazy and stuff like that. So the fact that that's completely wiped out, I don't see how it could hurt a young player like that hasn't had that experience before. Um, and particularly a guy like Tyler hero, he played at Kentucky. So he's been in front of, uh, you know, crowds as well. So I think he's even been conditioned to some of that, um, already. So, uh, I think it's all super positive, and um, this is like a new season for him. I don't feel like it's an extension of his rookie year. It's a it's a brand new kind of fresh start at this, almost with a training camp like vibe as he goes into it. So um, he he may be one of those guys that kind of all of a sudden settles in and the game slows down even more, and he takes a jump like right now in the middle of this bubble season.
1: You know, and the other thing about it, and speaking to this, and I think Alex having been in the locker room with me. Quite a bit this year. Witnesses, you know the guys on so
3: long. I'm still unconvinced that actually ever
1: happened. Maybe didn't, Um, (laughs) but the the guys on the team treat Tyler Hero like a you know sort of like the the little kid brother who they know is cool. (laughs) You know, like and they know he's going to be a big shot, so they kind of want to put him down now while there's still time. Like I, I feel you know they don't really do his
3: introduction. They don't do it to Duncan. No, they much, don't even do it he to He kind of has a similar vibe. Like they're both kind of quiet and both put in the work. Nah, but with yeah, but Tyler, both, Tyler they,
2: got the swagger thing going though. It's a swagger, different deal. Yeah, it's like it's a Reggie Miller stuff. kind of situation. Like kind of like the I'm gonna yeah. rip your throat out kind of you know like that kind of vibe. It's the
3: swagger. It's the Kentucky. It's the first round pick. It, he he has more reasons to. And Duncan Roberts is not a rookie anymore. Duncan, Tyler no, is literally he's not but, a rookie, but
1: but Duncan looks different. Uh, t- Tyler has like we talk about; it. he has drip, right? Like that's that's the whole thing. I mean, that's and he kind of like
3: is like boyish; like he still kind of looks very young.
1: But 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 I watched it with Myers Leonard and the way he t- he treated him, the way Jimmy treats him. I mean, they they look at him like they like him, they they like him, but they also know he's going to be a big shot. And it's kind of like All right, let's get our shots in now on him. And and so I do think that the bubble environment for him, like being with them all this time, I, I also think it's going to bring him out a little bit more. I, I think it, 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 it sort of, again, levels the field because the thing about it, again, to talk about NBA life, a lot of NBA players, you know, NBA players are kind of split into two camps. Some The ones who have families and the ones who don't, okay? And the ones who have families, you know, I was always told, you know, one of the saddest things I ever heard in an NBA locker room was PJ Brown, who was one of my favorite people I ever covered. But PJ was always lamenting the fact that he said that NBA teams are 15 different corporations. Everybody's got their own thing. You go home to your own family. You don't really interact with the other guys as much as you would like to interact. And it is split into two camps. And so the Heat have some family guys, although not as many as other teams, by the way, so a lot fewer wives on this team, okay, than there are on a lot of others because they're a younger team. And they've got a lot of younger guys. Well, now you're putting those groups together with no families for all this time. I think it helps the young guys because they're going to be around veteran guys more than they would be during the regular season. The, the vets are stuck with them. They're trapped. They, yeah. They're <laughs> trapped. They can't go over to their families. Like, you know, you've got, and you've got veteran guys, like a guy like Goron, okay. Who has, you know, a nuclear family, two kids, Um, he has two still, right? It was a three. I I always forget, but he's got, you know, he, you know, Goran is a very tradition. When Goran is, is in Miami, he always would tell me he, he goes to the park, he puts a cap over his head. So nobody recognizes him and he just blends in like, that's him. Well, now he's like in this environment with this group um, all this time. And I think to have, you know, for hero to have guys like Goran, like Andre, like UD who has his own, you know, pretty sizable family, um, you know, around him all the time i think it's good i think it breaks down those walls it gives more trust in the young players i think that's going to be something else that hasn't really been talked about that's going to help some of these guys good point a lot thank you reasons. let's move to the next topic all right so the
3: next <laughs> I think say five get, reasons
1: we're going to get in today um and we actually let's do these quickly um eric spolstra i'm just going to ask this is this our third topic is going to be i just want name. Who is the guy? He's talked about depth, 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 depth. He keeps talking about it, right? I think part of it is so his players hear it, so they know that they're, they're motivated to, to, to participate, play hard right now in practices, so they get an opportunity to play. Give me the one guy, Greg, who's going to get more minutes now than he would have gotten during a regular uh, run, a regular the way things were going in the regular season. Uh, I'm going to go Kelly Olenek. That that, that that would be my
3: –
2: you oh. said just a name, so I'm not even going to go any further with that. Kelly Olenek.
3: Alex, wow. who you got? The first one that came to mind is Andre Iguodala. I think he's going to be really clutching in the playoffs as somebody who could guard a lot of different people.
1: I'm going to go uh, completely off the board here. I think KZ Paul is going to get some minutes.
3: Oh, I like this. I like where you're going.
1: I think he's going to get some minutes. I, I think that they saw enough in those flashes in the Sacramento game that as a disruptor.
3: And he finally uh, put on some weight.
1: And he put on some weight. I think there's going to be some minutes. It's not going to be a big role, but I think there's going to be some minutes. All right, topic four. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal, as we were talking about this, there was the anniversary of his trade to Miami. Um, looking back in it, the trade for Shaq, the trade for Zoe, the acquisition of LeBron James. What had a greater impact on the Miami Heat franchise? Leif. Okay, so I'm probably gonna get killed for this, but just
2: hear me out. I truthfully believe that the Shaquille O'Neal trade was the single biggest transaction um for this reason. And obviously, like the LeBron thing is a whole different stratosphere. So so just let me unpack this. When when the Heat traded for Shaq, it was the first time that the fan base could really look at themselves in the mirror and say, like, we are big time. We are on the national stage. And there there had never been that feeling before where you had literally an icon wearing a Heat jersey. And that was that moment. Alonzo was the the prototypical Miami Heat player. He was Pat Riley. They were joined at the hip. Um, and, and he exemplified everything you want from the organization's perspective. But... It's a different kind of icon level when you got Shaquille O'Neal. And we obviously, like Dwayne Wade, had that crazy run, and everyone knew he was going to be great. Nobody at that time knew he was going to be the top three shooting guard in in NBA history. So getting Shaq was like literally, it was earth-shattering for the franchise. So um, from my perspective, it's the biggest trade they ever made.
1: LeBron for you, Alex?
3: I was going to say I had a – Hard time, kind of going back and forth between the decision and the Shaq trade, and I think I leaned towards what Leif said. But just because no, the, all of this didn't happen in a vacuum, right? We know what the history is, and the LeBron thing doesn't happen without the Shaq thing, right? I mean, maybe it does, maybe exactly. it doesn't. The, there was obviously relationships there, and we know everything that happened in 06 with the contract stuff, and then the Olympics. We know that whole story, so it maybe it could have happened. But at the end of the day, what propelled that was Shaq coming to the Heat and Wade's second year, D Wade taking that extra step and then winning the title in his third year. And that's, I think, what kind of put the heat really on the map uh, for LeBron to, to come join. And also, you know, the three max spots. <laughs> right.
1: The three max spots. Right. Thanks, um, Andy.
3: I, th- <laughs> I team, think team, team effort here. Team effort. I, th-
1: I think people are going to think we're nuts. Um, I'm also not going to pick LeBron, but I'm going with Zoe and and, oh. the, and the reason I think it was Zoe is because it was confirmation that things were different. um mm. you know, getting Riley was one thing,
3: but they, they would say
1: but they but they weren't going to build a team <laughs> they weren't going to build a team around glenn rice and and, and I, I wish they could have kept Glenn, but you got to give up something to get something and 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 it, I think you have to remember the context of who Zoe was at the time. he was the number two overall pick um he was. You know, at the time, you know, Georgetown was a huge, huge collegiate property. Yeah. And everybody knew who Zoe was before he went to Georgetown. He had the moment, you know, with the big shot falling down, you know, for Charlotte. Um, his contract dispute got a lot of attention. He came with an attitude, uh, which this organization never had. I mean, the only guy who who close to had it, we had on the on the podcast was Keith Askins, but Keith wasn't a name they never had that kind of player before, you know, they were like a bunch of nice guys that everybody knew from college, right? Like Glenn Rice and Steve Smith and Sherb Douglas, Cycli, the DJ, Ronnie yeah. Cycley. I mean, <laughs> they, right. I mean, they, they, didn't have anybody with edge. This was their first player they ever had, uh, with Ron edge. And, well, Ronnie's hair had edge. Yes. But, uh, at, at the time, um, but, yeah, I just – to me – and I know everybody's going to say it's LeBron, you idiots, uh, but but I, I think you can make a really good case uh, for Zoe. I, I just I, – it changed the whole dynamic of it, and, you know, they were they were suddenly relevant. And the other thing is, you know, I was covering the Dolphins at the time too, and I think you have to put it in the, that context, which is the Dolphins still mattered at that point. You know, Shula had just left and Jimmy had come in. It was during that period of time. Like, the Dolphins were the king team in town – and Zoe didn't take it from them. The Dolphins were still the king team in town, but he at least made you look at the Heat, which was yep. the first time that really that, that happened. Um, you know, I, here's, a, a, here's
2: a, a shameless admission. I actually cried when Glenn Rice got traded. I was so <laughs> upset. He was like my favorite player. and But, you know, that first season with Zoe, I immediately knew that it was the right move. And, and the other thing about the Zoe trade, and Ethan, this is to your point, Back then, that's when you built teams around centers, unless yeah, you have Michael Jordan. So like getting Zo, like you felt like you had like a, like it's like in the, in the NFL when like, okay, we got our franchise quarterback. Now we can go try to win something. Like we had our franchise big man. So, so I get you there. And I just feel like the Shaq trade was just an elevated version of that.
1: No, it, it was. I, I think I also was colored a little by it because we've talked so much about how much we like the 0304 team. And when they traded for Shaq and somebody reminded me of this on Twitter, they remember they remembered write, me writing a column in 2004 i don't even remember me writing a column in 2018 um but me writing a column in 2004 about how getting shaq the day they got shaq i wrote a column and said this this probably makes them contenders but it makes them feel less fun that's that was my feeling at the time because i loved the organic feel of the 0304 team it was a total myopic view Obviously, getting Shaq was going to make things more fun because you're going to win more. But I just felt like it felt mercenary to me. Um, whereas the Zoe trade didn't feel mercenary, even though he yeah. was drafted by Charlotte because the Heat were building something from scratch at that point. Yeah, you know, Riley was it didn't feel like scratch. a shortcut. It didn't feel like a shortcut. Right. That this the Shack thing felt like a shortcut, and you know, my all I remember, I remember I was at someone's house that day for like a, a house party, and I just kept, I kept. I was trying to get the news and, you know, obviously other people were trying to break stuff and I'd heard some things too. And, you know, we kind of knew that this was on the horizon that there was a possibility. And I just kept asking, is Dwayne in it? Is Dwayne in it? Like that, that was, that was really the only thing because if Dwayne was in it, I didn't even like it. You know, I was like, what, you're going to give up on that after one year? I mean, just saw what he did in the playoffs. Um, But obviously, you know, that, that worked out. All right, let's get to Dwayne here. Uh, Topic five. I feel like we need to address it or, Somebody needs to address it. Am I the one that's going to have to address this, guys? Is that what we've decided? Am I, am I, I, am I think I- that that would be the prudent approach. Well, yeah, I'm sure that you say that. Um, the tweet's not up anymore. Uh, Dwayne got himself in a little bit of hot water today. Um, here we go. Uh, and now he's become a political football, so to speak. Um, if you're not familiar, uh, Nick Cannon, uh, obviously, uh, you know, well-known for a bunch of uh, projects, um, Hollywood and elsewhere, Um, basically, you know, tweet, not, not, not basically, uh, you know, said some very anti-Semitic things on a podcast. Um, also has a relationship though with, with Dwayne's wife, Gabrielle Union, and was very supportive of Gabrielle and some of her battles that she's gone through, uh, you know, with, with the TV show that she used to be on. Um, Dwayne tweeted out here at about 156. He tweeted at Nick Cannon, we're with you. Um, And then kind of a closed fist, Keith, keep leading exclamation point. Uh, This obviously didn't go over particularly well. Uh, I guess I've been tagged on Twitter. I'm it now. I'm the one who has to speak out because I happen to be Jewish. uh, And obviously I've covered Dwayne Wade for a long time. Uh, So I'm just going to say this, and I don't even know if you guys want to jump in on this or not. Um, You know, it's, it's bad judgment by Dwayne at the very least. Uh, you know, and you know, Dwayne is very active on Twitter, tweets out a lot of things about a lot of different topics. Um, some that he's very educated on and some he's as all of us on Twitter are, we sometimes we tweet out things we're not as educated on about, um, he then went back and about 45 minutes it was about 45 minutes later guys that he went back and kind of, yeah, uh, it, it felt like an eternity, but yeah,
3: it's right. so long.
1: It, it did, and, and somebody joked. Maybe it was Riz that of all days, because you know to, they, they got this hacking problem on Twitter. So the verified accounts, of which my personal account is one, but my business account, Five Reasons account, is not. Got got can't tweet even as we speak. Oh, can't that would have tweet. been just absolutely excruciating! Could you imagine? Because <laughs> yeah, Dwayne has there. a verified account, obviously. So, could you imagine if he'd put it out there and couldn't go back on it? But anyway, he was before he before he was.
3: Wow, Wade at the buzzer yet again. Yet again, I, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> well, on the I third try, s- on the third try, let's try to take this seriously. I'm trying at least on the third try. Okay, because the second try he basically sort of indicated he uh, he was not take that he didn't understand the entire situation. Essentially, that was the second tweet, and then after that he went back in one more time. Of course, number three uh, for Dwayne, he went back in the third time and based and condemned anti-Semitism. Um, my thought is I think people want me to be offended. I, I will only say this. Okay. I, I can't speak to everybody's intentions and how they feel about, you know, whether it's race issues, anti-Semitism issues, that's in everybody's heart. Okay. All I can say is that my interactions with Dwayne over the course of almost 20 years. Um, and he knows I'm Jewish. Okay. Uh, you know, we're, we're, nothing but positive professional. And I never witnessed or heard anything in in 20 years that was, you know, bigoted or racist in any way to any group. Um, Dwayne is somebody who I always found to be welcoming of all groups. Does that mean he used good judgment in this case? No. Um, but I, I, can I, I, can I say, I know what's in his heart? No. Uh, do I believe that he was supporting Nick Cannon in other ways, more about empowerment and l- less about what Nick Cannon said on a podcast? Yes. Um, and that's my view on it. Do you guys have anything else to add?
3: So, just to, I don't have really have any opinion on this because I know I'm not qualified and I really am not that educated on the matter. But just to make clear what happened, apparently, you know, Nick Cannon made those comments on a podcast. Everybody knows Wild and Out, a lot of people my age kind of grew up with the show. And there was some conflict apparently, and Wade was kind of uh, alluding to this in in his apology tweet that it had a lot to do with more about Nick Cannon Nick Cannon losing the rights to Wilder now his show, uh, and basically having to just defer to Viacom CBS who took it away from him, and you know they kind of believe that he should own own those rights since he's you know always been the host since the early 2000s or mid 2000s when that show first started, so I, you know, a lot of people. We're getting the benefit of the doubt because of, of that. But yeah, obviously the situation is not ideal, and we're all glad he apologized because that's just a nightmare situation for anybody in Miami.
1: Well, he also, um, if you look at the the third tweet, I don't know about the second tweet, but if you look at the third tweet, he clearly wrote it. Um, it's it's in his voice, and, and I I think you know we can say you know I know I saw people on Twitter. You know, PR spin and all the rest of this stuff. I, again, I, I've I've had enough interactions with Dwayne in enough different ways uh, to not believe that that bigotry and racism is something uh, that is part of his makeup. I, I just I just don't buy it, and and I I do think that Dwayne has become. Um, and this was actually this term was actually used uh, for LeBron. I remember when he was in Miami, where a lot of people told me, and I think it proved to be true. Um, and the word the word that was used for me was that you know LeBron got more Afrocentric during his time in Miami that he became uh, more aware of a lot of these social justice issues and I believe the same has happened with Dwayne over the years and some of it started with Trayvon Martin and the hoodie photos and everything else and so I do think uh, Dwayne is very big on black empowerment uh, as LeBron is and that has been if you look at his tweet history his comments uh, that that's a big part of it but also as you also know with now raising a daughter and everything that uh, was said about him during that process that Dwayne is you know very inclusive person and so I just I I, I and always has been prior to that I can tell you one thing um, and I'll close here if that's okay uh, there's a, uh, a colleague in uh, sports media um who came out of the closet uh you know what was it it's got it's almost probably eight or nine years ago now um and and people are listening can probably figure this out i can just tell you that that person that who happened to be a very good friend of mine or is a good good friend of mine um was was nervous about the way that it was being perceived because you're in locker rooms with you know with nba players and it can be you know sort of a chilly place uh you know for someone who's not heterosexual I mean that's just the way it's been you know for that's the tradition of sports right unfortunately and uh, I, I can tell you that during that process uh, Dwayne Wade was incredibly warm welcoming and supportive um, in to to this particular media person um, and to a point that it stood out. So it's not just about, you know, what's happened to Dwayne personally since. It's 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 part of his makeup. And so I want to close with that. I'm not condoning it. Um, but I also don't think I can speak for all Jewish people just because I happen to be Jewish. And I'm, to be honest, a little resentful that on Twitter, there's some who are co-opting this to kind of throw it in my face and say, aren't you going to say something about this? It, it's
3: it, oh, part of the game now. It's just waiting for people to to come in with takes and expecting people to weigh in on everything just because they might, they might have an opinion. I think it's people getting outraged at people for not weighing in. It's part of the whole Twitter game now. Well, it's a, it, it's us- a
1: Twitter game, but it's also a society game now where it's, yeah. if you don't, if, if you don't, if you don't weigh in, you're somehow hypocritical. It doesn't mean you're hypocritical. It might mean, you know, just because I'm Jewish also does not mean necessarily that, you know, I can believe in, 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 you know, the Israeli state, and not believe in everything you know, that is Israel does politically. I mean, you're allowed that is allowed, right? Like, I mean, and and that's why I'm saying, like, I, I don't know, it, this doesn't have to be, you know, homogenous. And I feel like, you know, and if Alf was on this episode, he would probably talk about this, too. You know, I feel like Alf has given voice to this because he he doesn't feel that every you know, black person, African-American person should have to feel the same way about social justice issues or, you know, and have to speak for an entire race or anybody should have to speak for an entire ethnicity. Everybody can have their own viewpoints and opinions. And I don't love the fact that it got co-opted today. Um, But I'm just going to speak from my personal experience with Dwayne. And I can just tell you, uh, I don't believe he's bigoted. I don't believe he's racist. Um, And that's what I wanted to say. Okay. Have a good night, everybody.